Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, I'm Daniel. I am going to read to you a passage from The Method of No Method and then discuss that passage. So, here we go. This one is called Arousing Bodhi Mind. Arousing Bodhi Mind. And I think it says in the reading what Bodhi Mind is, but we'll see. To have Bodhi Mind is to arouse the altruistic mind of enlightenment. Without Bodhi mind, one can at best liberate oneself or practice worldly samadhi, the samadhi in which one still has attachments. Therefore, Bodhi mind is the foundation and primary focus for the Mahayana practitioner. Bodhi mind has two aspects, renunciation and compassion. Renunciation means disavowing attachment, fame, self-benefit, and worldly clinging. As our interest in worldly phenomena diminishes, our self-centeredness also diminishes. If a boat is filled with rocks, and if more and more rocks are piled on, the boat will eventually sink. Similarly, when our self-importance and self-attachment are extremely heavy, the burden of our vexations can sink the boat, and we will be unable to sail on the ocean of wisdom. If through renunciation our vexations are lightened, the boat can sail smoothly. It will be prajna, the boat of wisdom, carrying us to the other shore. To have compassion means extending oneself for the benefit of others while simultaneously lessening attachment. Some serious practitioners tend to have more of the mind of renunciation and less of compassion. They like practicing alone and prefer not to have responsibilities. This is a kind of escapism. The same attitude occurs, for example, when a person wants to enjoy the good things in marriage, but none of the responsibilities. On the one hand, he seeks happiness, and on the other hand, he avoids responsibility. A good marriage needs both components of happiness and responsibility. Analogously, in Bodhi mind, it is necessary to have compassion as well as renunciation. Wisdom is not attained by wishing, but by decreasing self-attachment and vexations. To this end, we generate Bodhi mind through renunciation and compassion. If we have renunciation without compassion, we will reject the world and develop negativity. If we have compassion without renunciation, we will be attached to the world with a mind of seeking. So compassion and renunciation are inseparable in Bodhi mind. Together they are Bodhi mind. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about sort of the ethical dimension of this practice. So we are not just simply meditating to be good at concentrating, to be better at our jobs, to be smarter. We're not meditating for any of those reasons. We are meditating to create more whole beings, to become a more whole self, a more whole person. Maybe self's not the right word, but to become a more whole person, to become a better person, to actualize positive change in our lives, okay? And sometimes we do have to talk about cultivating virtue because It's something we need to do. It's something we need to do. It's something that not cultivating virtue can get in our way. So, for example, it's hard to sit and meditate when you're thinking about lies you told today 
or thinking about crimes you've committed. It's hard to sit still and meditate when you have things you, you've done that you know you shouldn't have done. That can really get in the way of our practice. So there's even a selfish aspect to it, but also doing good, uh, doing especially selfless, compassionate, kind things lessens the hold our ego has on us because our ego has a tight hold on us. And so we really get uh, progress in our journey when we lessen that hold the ego has, when we are giving, when we're kind, when we're charitable. So that is sort of why the, the aspect of ethical behavior is very, very important in this path. It, it is. This is part of, it's sort of um, like, I watched uh, the Karate Kid series not too long ago, because I'm watching Cobra Kai now, and I'm telling you that to tell you that it is like when you go to a karate teacher, and yes, they teach you the karate, but they're also teaching you discipline, patience, they're getting helping you get physically fit, all these other things are happening. It's This is similar. We're learning how to focus and pay attention and be aware of the world around us, but also this is a multidimensional personal transformation agenda. We are we are training to be wiser, training to pay better attention, training to see things clearly, but we are also training to be better people. And there may be some that want to put that aside because it's maybe less less interesting to talk about, less exciting, but it's it's important and it should not be put aside. Cultivating virtue is an important aspect of this. And it really, it helps us. It helps us in our meditation practice. It helps us in our path. It helps us improve our lives. So um, all of that being said, and just Bodhi mind is that mind of awakening, that mind that is on the right track. It's when we turn our turned our minds away from our, our baggage and our neuroses. And we're seeing things a little bit more clearly. We're seeing the world more as it is, and we're more motivated and inspired to work on this path, to work on improving ourselves, to work on our our attention, our mindfulness, our wisdom, okay? So I'm going to read the next section here. It's called The Four Great Vows, and this is about, it's about how we cultivate virtue. The Four Great Vows. While the spirit of Bodhi mind is found in renunciation and compassion, the practice of Bodhi mind rests on the four great vows that we chant every day. Now, I am not a big, just aside, I'm not a big fan of chanting. I don't like chanting very much, but I do on occasion chant these. They're, it just sort of reminds us what we're trying to do, why we're trying to do this. It reminds us to have ethical behavior. And that's why that happens. So if if you've ever been to a uh, Zen service or a Chan service, a Buddhist temple, you may have heard these and you think, well, why are we chanting this? And this um, is going to explain here. And I've sort of, in in these in this series, I've sort of tried to steer away from this this kind of thing. And this is probably the only one of this kind of thing we'll go over because it, it is important. So these are what's called the four great vows. I vow to deliver innumerable sentient beings. I vow to cut off endless vexations. 
I vow to master limitless approaches to Dharma. I vow to attain supreme Buddhahood. So to fulfill the first vow of delivering sentient beings, we also need the second vow, which is to eliminate our own vexations while helping others become free of theirs. Vexation is the word that he uses for our neuroses, our baggage, our negativity, just hating the world. All that sort of stuff is called a vexation. It's the things that get in our way. I don't know if I'm crazy about that word vexation, but that's what he uses. And I don't have a better one. Because people have different dispositions and different levels of vexation, we must learn different ways to help. So we study and master the different approaches to Dharma. This is the third vow. As this task is being fulfilled, we also practice to become Buddhas. This is the fourth vow. We begin by dedicating ourselves to the benefit of all sentient beings, and only in the last vow do we aspire to Buddhahood. Therefore, while the spirit of Bodhi mind is renunciation and compassion, the body of Bodhi mind is fulfilling the four great vows. That's sort of uh, fake it till you make it, I think. In fact, the four great vows embody renunciation and compassion. For example, the vow to deliver sentient beings is compassion, but we can only accomplish this by renouncing self-centeredness. Again, we can renounce our own vexations, but it is only with compassion that we can truly help others relieve their own suffering. Thus, the four great vows are actually methods to accomplish these two qualities of Bodhi mind. Some will wonder how they can fulfill even the first of these vows. It's hard enough just to practice on my own. However, one should see the vows as statements of intention, not promises to achieve something by a certain date and time. The vows are not necessarily meant to be accomplished in one lifetime. Rather, the vows give us a lifelong direction and sense of dedication. Step by step, we gradually fulfill the vows. But unless we generate the four great vows, we should not consider ourselves practitioners. So uh, those vows are heavy, right? It says, I'm going to save everyone. And we know that the truth is, no, I mean, we're not. But the point is to set an intention and say, my intention is to save everyone. And as long as I have that somewhere in my mind, it's going to motivate and inspire me. And uh, that word renunciation, I did, I just sort of glossed over it, I think. But it means not indulging in things, not indulging in things, not indulging in selfishness all the time. So um, there's all sorts of things we could think of as renunciation, but it's just not taking from other people when, you know, when you want to. That's renunciation. But also like taking good care of yourself, like not having that extra bowl of ice cream. That's renunciation too. It's just sort of letting go of things that don't serve you and that don't serve others. Letting go of those things because we know generally it's good to let go of those things. So those are the four great vows. And I was sort of thinking about skipping over those, but I'm glad I didn't because that is important because that's what we're talking about here is that this thing we're doing here is not a little thing. This is serious. This is a serious thing we're doing and we need to remind ourselves of that. And that is what the four great vows, that is a function they serve is reminding us that this is, we're not goofing around. This is a serious thing. We're trying to transform ourselves. We're trying to transform the world around us and that matters.
and the next section is called Chan Practice is Dharma Practice. Chan Practice is Dharma Practice, and I'm going to read it to you. When we practice in the spirit of Bodhi mind and the Four Great Vows, Chan Practice is no different from Dharma Practice in that we establish a goal and a direction. We work toward this goal according to our own pace, and we walk on this path toward our own destiny. Guided on the path by renunciation and compassion, we will have the wisdom to help others. We've talked about the Four Noble Truths, the Three Marks of Existence, Bodhi Mind, and the Four Great Vows, and we have learned how to sit in silent illumination. The purpose of all this is to terminate affliction, grasping, and self-importance. We do this so that we will be in a better position to help others. We use the methods, concepts, and views to cut off vexations in ourselves and help others do the same. In so doing, we realize renunciation and compassion, which are none other than Bodhi mind. In the Avatamsaka Sutra, known as the Flower Ornament Scripture, there's the phrase, when Bodhicitta, or Bodhi mind, is generated, one ultimately attains Buddhahood. There is a t- this is a teaching of awakened mind entering the path to Buddhahood. Arousing Bodhi mind may be much or it may be little, but it is an accomplishment. You may not fulfill this path completely, you have at least gained a strong foothold and you are certain to attain Buddhahood in the future. In that sense, one attains Buddhahood when, when Bodhicitta is gen- generated. Someone who gives rise to Bodhicitta and also who vows to benefit all beings is a Bodhisattva. So, this is saying, it's essentially saying that these things, this Bodhi mind and this renunciation and compassion, these things are super important and we cannot just gloss over them or let them go, even though that may be tempting to do. We have to remember that we are also cultivating virtue on this path and not cultivating virtue is going to get in our way. So that it sort of says uh, like living like a Buddha, acting like a Buddha makes you a Buddha. And Sort of a strange thing to wrap our heads around. Sort of a strange thing to wrap our heads around. So, um, that is going to be it for today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. And have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.